0: All right. Hey, Taylor, welcome back to another episode of Sturgeon Outdoors. Today, we're talking with Andy Ball, who just got back from a trip to Africa. It seems like he got one of every animal on the continent.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. What's going on, guys? It's, it's nice to be here. Yeah, Absolutely. it's great it's to, nice have to have you. you. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks for inviting me on. So, Andy,
0: I think for, for starters, you want to just give us a little bit of background on you?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So basically, I've been hunting uh, about 15 years now. And uh, raised raised here in New York, I didn't, I did not get into the hunting scene, believe it or not, till my late 20s, mid to late 20s. And that was after my grandfather passed away, and left me with a bunch of uh, shotguns, turkey guns, and you know, a couple Ithaca deer slayers, and I wasn't sure exactly what I wanted to do with them. So basically, I was like, well, you know what, I'm gonna take some hunting courses and give it a try. And put these guns to use and the rest is history so i've been hunting pretty hard for the last 15 years or so and been traveling all over um from texas to here in new york to out in south africa so it's been a lot of fun
0: okay well here we're kind of talking a little bit about your africa trip Mm -hmm. uh obviously so you want to kind of give us a little rundown what exactly uh you know got you inspired to go to africa i guess
1: yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, back in 2016, I was invited to go with the guys from Bone Cold TV, um, aka Antler Ice, the guys who sell the Antler Ice. And they wanted me to go with them to do a bow hunt out there. So I thought about it. And financially, it wasn't actually that bad. That's the biggest thing of, with Africa, is that people think it's going to be very expensive to go to South Africa to hunt. But believe it or not, it's really not Um so they, they invited me to go out there and I took it, you know, I was like, sure. And I had it out there and it was, it was an amazing, amazing time. And that was the first time I went out there. I got an impale. I got some birds, lost a couple animals, which obviously it's hunting. So, you know, nothing's guaranteed. And, and it definitely left a big hole um, of, you know, excitement, but disappointment because I, I felt like I could have done better. You know, I could have had, Mm -hmm. I could have been more successful, I should say in the hunt. So, uh, years went by and I was going to go back in 2020 because I wanted to try to do it like every four years. And I was ready to book, ready to get everything to go. And unfortunately that's when COVID hit. So everything got put on the back burner, everything got canceled. And so as the, you know, as COVID took its course and COVID went, went along, basically, uh, at the end, it was right in the middle of about 2021, about a year ago, I, they started making things a little bit more relaxed. So I was like, you know what, let's, let's try to make it happen. So they just started letting the flights be booked back to go to South Africa. So I booked, got an amazing deal uh, to fly out and the rest is history. And I, and I just got back a couple weeks ago here and uh, went basically for the week of Easter. Uh, So it was actually a really good time. So Andy, these are all guided trips that you're doing? So, okay. So basically, yeah. Um, how it works is this. For, for anybody listening who's not really sure about how Africa works, this is, this is in, in South Africa. The big thing is you fly in Johannesburg. When you fly in Johannesburg, um, obviously, before you go, there's, there's many different outfitters. There's many different places you go. And you book with a guide or you book with a landowner. And once you once you get that set up, you're basically going to talk about what your expectations are. Are you going to be bow hunting? Are you going to be gun hunting? So what I do the second time I went, I went with Bush and Al Safaris. Absolutely top-notch place. Uh, couldn't 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 praise them enough. Uh, absolutely amazing place. Brendan is one of the owners. That's who I hunted with, with the week for the week with his brother Sheldon who was the cameraman and everything was filmed and we basically went on his place which is about 30 square miles in the f- full week I was there I only probably saw about half of the property uh so so we this so I went on his on his place 30 square miles all spot and stock haunting nice
0: nice nice okay so what animals did
1: you get okay so let's start so um the big thing is is i'll be 100% honest with you i was like i'm just gonna pay the daily rates head out there and and see what the bush has to offer and what i mean by that is when you're hunting on 30 square acres um there is there is some fences but it it's not like how it is here in the states where you've got these high big fences, barbed wire, they're, they're basically old cattle fences that, you know, that are dug up, you know, warthogs are digging underneath them, jackals, the spring buck are going through. Um, so, so I was like, you know what, I just want to see what's out there and, and have some fun. So a lot of, a lot of guys, when they head out to Africa, they'll almost make like a Christmas list. Like I want one baboon, I want one warthog, one. And, and the problem is when you do something like that, it puts a lot of pressure on the pH that you're hunting with. And it puts a lot of pressure on yourself because you might pass up an amazing animal because that that's not the right warthog you were looking for. So when I went out there, um, I ended up dropping 11 animals. I had a hundred percent success rate. I took three impalas, two blessed buck, an ostrich, believe it or not, um, (laughs) a zebra, a Gims book a springbuck and i believe that was i believe that was the 11 animals i'm trying to think if there's anything that i'm missing um but it was yeah a jackal too right yeah the jackal yep yep i'm <laughs> sorry yes and the jackal so yeah. um and the blue wildebeest jesus <laughs> so <laughs> there were so many of them but but no it was um it was an absolutely amazing time so and to believe it or not i didn't have like I wasn't like, man, I'm going to go after this zebra today. Just everything happened. We stumbled upon them and that was it.
2: You know?
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so you said you're, it was, you know, kind of stock hunting. So are you like, did you go to base camp every day and then kind of go off to a different area and then kind of walk around through there? Did you drive through there? How did you, how they go about finding the animals? I guess would okay. be the best way to put it.
1: So so the biggest thing is that as a as a New York hunter you you know hunter over here in the northeast the big thing is is we'll go out here and and see hope to see a couple deer a day you know maybe we'll see some woodchucks when we're out there maybe we'll see a couple of squirrels you know maybe we'll see a skunker you know it's it's not what's we'll called busy woods like it is when you go over there so basically you, you have a base camp, you stay, some places have amazing combinations, some of them have, you know, entry-level accommodations, where I stayed was very nice, um, believe it or not, I had a little pool, which I thought was very cool, uh, you, you, so you basically stay there, you eat there, you, um, you, you know, you wake up in the morning, come over the game plan, have something to eat quick, uh, come up with a game plan, okay, we're gonna go head out to here, let's go try to see if we can find some stuff over there, so, you load up in the trucks and you start driving. As you're driving, you might see a group of impala running through the road. You might see a group of cape buffalo, um, you know, sitting in front of you and you have to stop. It's it's a totally different feeling because there's animals all over the place, but that doesn't mean exactly mean of what you're looking for. It's such an animal enriched environment that it's from birds to you know, you, the jackals. I mean, there's so many different animals in the area. That's such an amazing time. Even if you went there just to look at photos, it's, it's, it's just fun. So you get in the cars you you'll or trucks, you'll start driving and you'll head out to maybe we'll drive for 15, 20 minutes to get on the other side of the, the property. We'll get out because obviously, you know, you're hunting and, and you can do the safari style hunt if you wanted to, um, I know a lot of like older, older couples will go out there and they'll actually hunt from the trucks, but that wasn't something that I was interested in. So we would park the trucks and we would just walk for miles and miles, hills, down hills, through valleys. Um, it was, it was a lot of fun. And you have to use what we're used to here out there, you know, quietly walking, um, you know, quietly trying to go through the brush, trying to go through that. This isn't like a like a zoo, you know, where you can just mm-hmm. walk around freely. You have to hunt. I mean, these animals are very um, skittish. It's it's very intense hunting, in my opinion, versus here where you're sitting in a tree stand for a good part of three, four hours and wait for animals to come by you. And the style of hunting that I enjoy while I'm there is definitely get out, walk around, have some fun.
3: Right, Okay like, I what see. did you use to, um, hunt Were you like shooting, you know, rifle, bow and arrow, like,
1: so that's a great question. So, uh, a lot of people ask me like what I do when, when you go there. So there's, there's a couple options you can bring over your, your bow. You can bring over your firearms, but me personally, when I went in 2016 and I brought my bow over, it's a lot of stress because you don't know once you once you've had so so this is your typical uh, travel with a bow you get to the you get to the airport security checks it they go through it they you sign off on the paperwork they basically you know put a checked ID on it and it goes well when you fly over to Africa it goes through a couple ports of international security so by the time you get it, and depending on who touched it, you don't know what kind of condition it's going to get into. So when I got, when I, the first time I went and, and I landed and got my bow, my arrows were all over the place inside the case. The bow was loose. You know, it was, it was, I'm like, oh man, I hope everything's still going to work. So this time when I went, I contacted Brennan over at, you know, Bushnell Safaris and I was like, look, I want to use your stuff. I want, you know, let's, I don't want to have any stress. I just want to bring my clothes, bring my binoculars, you know, bring some, you know, basic hunting gear mm-hmm. and, and I want to use your things. So what I did is I hunted for the entire week with a 300 wind mag, which was their gun, their ammo. When I was ready, when I got there, basically, you know, you land, um, and then you zero in, you know, you go to the shooting range, make sure you're comfortable with a gun, just like how you do here. You zero in the gun, make sure it's set, ready to go. Obviously, he had a zeroed ahead of time. But just double check the scope to my liking, the eye relief, et cetera. So we had some fun at the gun range before he actually went out.
0: Nice. Nice. <clears throat> so what's the actual landscape over there? Is it like, are you talking some thick woods? I know you mentioned brush. Is it like savanna type thing? So where it's like nice, wide open.
1: So, okay. So it, I was hunting. If you look, if you were looking at South Africa, like I said, I flew in Johannesburg. Once you fly in, it's about a 15 hour flight from Newark to Johannesburg. It's an overnight flight, which is nice. You can sleep. So it actually goes by very quick. Um, once you, once this, on this trip, my first trip, I drove three hours North. Uh, they meet you at the airport and you went three hours North. Um, in the uh, Limpu area. And that was a very, very dry, when I went in August the last time in, in 2016, it was a very, very dry landscape, um, obviously because that time of year, but it was very thick brush and thick thorns. So it was much different this time, where this time I drove five hours Southwest down to Kimberley, and in South Africa there. And there was a a lot of rolling hills, high, you know, steep hills and a lot of valleys. It almost, it was funny, in my opinion, it reminded me a lot of almost like um, Ellicottville. It reminded me a lot of Ellicottville where you had very tall hills and then you had some nice wide open long um, valleys. So it was it was a mix. It was a mix of of a lot of rocks on the hills is not obviously as many trees, um, very Mm. rocky hills that you would have to climb up. And then when you're in the valley part of it, very thick brush. And then it's funny because once the brush starts, it's huge open fields, long, long, um, you know, um, very long fields. So it's 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 a lot of fun. And it's hard to get on those animals because a lot of people think, oh, you know, it's not, it's not going to be that difficult. But when you have the animals that you're after, and you see a a blessed buck, a group of blessed buck, or a group of spring buck way out in the field at 500 yards, it's there's nothing between you and the, and the spring buck. So either you can try to send it at that distance, which I did not want to do, or you have to wait and just sit there and play the wind and hope they come in closer to you because mm-hmm. once you try to Get on the ground and make your way to them. It's going to be very hard not to be spotted. Right. Do
0: you ever have to like army crawl over yeah. to just get a little closer, or believe is that not actually a thing?
1: No, but believe it or not, we did a lot of crouch walking. A lot, a lot of crouch walking where you're where you're leaned over, you know, because when so when you go out there and you're hunting, you've got. In this case, you have the tracker who's with you, you've got the shooter who was with me, you've got the cameraman, and you have the PH, um, who's obviously leading the charge. So you're following him, he, he has the backup gun in case there was a situation where like a lion or, or a Cape Buffalo or, you know, anything like that was around. Um, and you're in a you know life or death situation. It's nice for him to have a backup gun. Then you've got yourself the tracker who's usually unarmed, and the cameraman who's usually unarmed. So when you're walking around with four people, anybody who's hunted with four people knows, you know, you have to work basically as one. So there was many mm-hmm. times where we would have to stop getting single file lines. So only only one there would only be one person making its way in the sight of the animals you know and okay. and it was it was actually pretty neat because if we all walk single file then we would send a whole lot more you know one after another we would send a whole lot more signal that there's obviously something different going in the bushes than if we all worked as one and you know was basically together so it wasn't too much army crawling the only time where i really had to get on my stomach and move around was when i was on the top of one of the veil on top of one of the um hills there looking down into the um dried out uh riverbed below where i shot the jackal and i it was very hard because i couldn't move around much and the jackal believe it or not was just an opportunity where it came out on the dried riverbed and it was screwing around and and it was it was playing we'll say playing with a female and they were kind of chasing each other around and i was having to crawl around on the rocks to try to get in shooting position with the sun setting in my face so that was that was quite the experience <laughs> you know from the sun and the optics to them going shoot 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 but it was, that was the experience.
3: so did you get the male or female
1: i got the male i got a real real uh, you're t- yeah Man. i got i got a i got a real big male <laughs> um, so that one that was that was an opportunity of a lifetime that i had to take because many people i talked to who go to africa who get opportunities they either don't make it happen or miss the shot or something like that so believe it or not i was very lucky with with getting the shot on him so
0: yeah so which animal do you think was your favorite to get over there you want to tell us a little story about it too
1: yeah for sure so for some reason i've always loved the impala. um I just love the I love the look of the horns. I love the look of them. They remind me a lot, obviously, of the deer back you know back home. And this trip, I dropped three impala, <laughs> and I honestly could have spent the whole week just hunting impalas. I absolutely love them. Um, they're very skittish, very fast, and it was an absolute blast to go after the three, um, the three of them. And believe it or not, all my impalas were my closest shots which were like we'll say the farthest was 110 yards and they're very smart you know when I was there it was rainy a lot it was real not a lot but you know in the in the beginning of the week it was real rainy Um, everything I didn't see barely any warthogs because there was water there was water everywhere for them to drink and so basically um, when I got the opportunities on the on the impalas they weren't that far as shots. And I, I would have to say, the last animal of the trip, which was like a gold medal uh, impala, which means one of the one of the horn lengths is between 22 to 24 inches. And it measured 23 and a half real wide. It was absolutely beautiful. Uh, Believe it or not, my first shot it was a bad shot. I hit brush. And when I hit the brush, it was running. It it, it, it it hit the brush, deflected off. We knew it hit, but we didn't know where it hit. We were trying to review. Everything was on film. We're trying to review. So we start doing your typical, you know, we're going to try to track it. We're going to try to see what happens. So we spent about an hour walking all over this hill. So finally, we were just getting, you know, disgusted with it. You know, we couldn't we couldn't really find it. So I was like, well, I'm gonna head back to where we shot it at, and I'm just gonna do some walking around. And this was the last evening of the hunt. Well, believe it or not, as we're sitting there, Sheldon, the cameraman's with me and we're talking, and I'm like, man, it's so hard. There's no blood, there's nothing There's nothing to really track on, and there's Impala prints all over the place. So as we were talking about 20 yards from us, an Impala jumps up out of the brush, and starts running and hobbling and we're like oh oh man oh man that's it and we we couldn't believe it so once we verified as it was running and it was hobbling that it was obviously the you know a wounded impala that i shot earlier i was we we ran over to the side of the like the hill thinking it was going to make its way down into the valley because again we didn't know where the injury was and it stopped and turned around and all i could see was basically its neck its head and its horns and I was like, I, I, and it was behind a little bit of bush. And I was like, I got to make it happen. So I sent it, hit the shot, hit it right on the shoulders, and dropped it in place. And we all started cheering because um, we were so excited that we didn't leave a wounded animal, you know, out there. So right. it was, oh, that, yeah, it,
0: that's that, always the best part.
1: Yeah, that that meant a lot. That meant a lot, and it was it was absolutely an amazing experience. You
0: know, like what's. That's-
3: Compared to here, like, what's the climate down there? Like, I'm not familiar, like, South Africa at
1: all. Okay, like, the, the best way to, um, have you ever, I, I tell people this, the best way to think of Africa is obviously we're in the Northern Hemisphere and they're in the Southern Hemisphere. So mm-hmm. if you go to Texas and you go in the San Antonio and South, where you've got thick thorns, you've got brush, you've got rolling hills, south South texas is basically the same distance from the equator in the northern hemisphere as south africa is in the southern hemisphere so a lot of the terrain here and down in you know uh you know south texas reminds me of south africa a lot yeah. of the same kind of brush a lot of the same kind of vegetation a lot of that is they're very similar and that's why we've had such success in the United States of bringing over exotic animals and have them obviously huntable here uh, in high fence situations because they can survive because the climate is so much of the same.
3: Okay. That makes sense.
1: You know, and, and so that's, that, that was a big thing. And that was um, over the last two years with, with the South having, you know, down, I've got a lot of friends down in Texas where I've hunted before. Um, They had a lot of hard times with their exotics a lot of them passed away especially with like your access deer and everything because the fact that there were such bad freezing freezing temperatures down there that obviously they they weren't they weren't ready for you know they weren't built right. for that kind of
3: temperature yeah.
1: Yeah. So, but yeah it's 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 fun it's dry it's it's crazy though how much like i said the first time i went there was a much drier conditions where You had to put, you know, they. I laughed when I landed, and and they were like, "Oh, you got to make sure you you have this lip gloss, you know, like your lip balm on you all the time." And I'm like, "Oh no, I'm fine. I never have to use it." But believe it or not, you your lips would be very dry within about a half an hour or so. So it it was, yeah, yeah, it was very dry, and I would almost by the end of the trip, my first trip. I almost had like a a pretty good dry cough just because my lungs weren't used to how dry the weather was.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. So if there's one thing someone wants to go to Africa and you're like, you 100% need to bring something. What would that item be? Like if you go down there, you, you definitely need that. Something like, you know, the lip balm, how you were just talking. Is there anything else where you're like, You got to bring this.
1: The biggest thing, there's so many things that I bring and I always pack too heavy because I think worst case, um, worst case scenario, it's it's so tough. Um, Things that you don't think of, but you bring like extra cell phone chargers, um, extra the big thing, the one thing I would say, no matter what you always want to bring is binoculars. No matter what you want to do, bring your own binoculars. Make sure you've got a good set. I brought some Vortex uh, binoculars with me this trip. And the biggest thing you want to do is bring binoculars because you can use their guns. You can use their things. But the one thing is you, you will be doing a lot of glassing if you are gun hunting. Um, my average my average shot was 200 yards my furthest being 230 on an ostrich and my shortest was probably the impala that literally was just a freak um situation where we walked into each other and um on my my very my first impala out there this trip but definitely bring binoculars make sure you've got a good pair of good pair of glass don't cheap on on them you don't have to go crazy, but make sure you've got something that you know is reliable and that you can trust because you're going to be using them a lot. And you definitely want to know what you're looking at.
0: You think 10 by 40 isn't appropriate or do you need something yeah. that goes more of a distance? No, no.
1: You, you'd be fine. The Vortec ones, I believe, I think were like 10, 10 by 50 or something. I, I don't remember. They were mm-hmm. my bigger ones. I have two, I have two of them. Um, okay. But You don't need to go extreme like real big ones. You just want to make sure that they're good. They've got a good, you know, a good view and that they're sturdy because you Mm -hmm. are going to be walking. You are going to be moving around. You are going to be climbing up things. Um, You know, you, you, you're going to, you're going to put some, you're going to put some use, use to them, you know, and and you want to make sure you've got something that you can rely on because if they break then you're in a you're in a tough situation because now what are you going to look through you know they got to use theirs they believe it or not when I was over there uh Brendan he had binoculars which I thought were really neat that also told you the distance it told you the yards which was actually really cool so when he was looking and say I was looking through the scope He could be like, okay, Andy, it's at 220 right now. It's walking towards us. It's stopping. Okay, now it's at 200. He could be telling me as he was looking. So it's actually really neat that with his binoculars, he was using a range. You know, had the range.
3: So what are you bringing back home from what you?
1: (sighs) Okay. So with the zebra, with the zebra, I'm bringing the hide back. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm doing the zebra hide. The jackal I'm doing. Um. Well, let's start with taxidermy. So so to further upon that question, when it comes to the taxidermy, a lot of people ask me about taxidermy costs, things like that. You, The taxidermy there costs the same, same amount as it does here. So if we're used to paying, we'll say on a normal white tail head, 550 uh, bucks, you're gonna pretty much be spending that on most of the antelope species out there until you start going into larger larger species, uh, like the blue wildebeest, things like that, they're gonna go up in price. But when it comes to the taxidermy, it's basically the same cost. So I'm having a mix of Euro mounts done and I'm having some shoulder mounts done. And with the with the jackal, I'm gonna do a life size mount for the jackal. With the zebra I'm having the hide done. Um I'm gonna do like a shoulder mount on an impala, shoulder mount on a blessed buck shoulder mount on the spring buck and shoulder mount on the um, blue wildebeest. And then the rest of them are going to be euro. So I'm, I'm going to be spending a pretty penny on the taxidermy. But the thing is, is that who knows when I'm going to get out there again, I want to, you know, wishful thinking is to get out there in another three, two, three, four years, but Mm. I dropped some really good animals. So I want to make it count. And I don't want to be kicking myself later that I didn't do something I could have done.
0: Right. So I saw on your Facebook page, you got to try a little bit of the zebra. Uh, Do you guys try all the animals that you got? Like you try the ostrich and eat that?
1: Yeah. So, so basically when it comes to the, the animals, when, when, as we, when we were going through and we were hunting, we were, you know, Brandon asked me, he's like, what exactly do you want to try like you tell me we'll cook it up we'll we'll cook it up whatever you want to do so i i dropped the zebra and i've heard many people say they taste amazing and i'm like just like for many people listening right now they're gonna go like dude that's a horse and
2: yeah. that, <laughs> that, that,
1: that, that I'm, I'm like dude i just shot a horse right so that's what i'm thinking and i'm like well everybody says give it a try so i tried i told him i was like well i definitely want to try the zebra and everybody tells me that um, the, the um, Gims book tastes amazing too. So I was like, all right, let's, let's try those. So those two, um, we, we made a big thing out of it. We had fun. We cooked the tenderloins. Uh, he's like, I'm cooking it exactly how it should taste. I'm not going to put a bunch of spices on it. I'm not going to, I want you to taste it and see if you really like it or not. So all he did was put some olive oil on it put some salt, put some pepper on it, let it marinate while we went out for the afternoon and try to do some hunting. And, uh, believe it or not, uh, I've, I've had many different, um, African animals. And out of all of them, I would have to say the Cape Buffalo is, is amazing. It's an absolutely amazing steak. And I have to say zebra is a close second. They both taste amazing. Um, Impala tastes just like a deer back home. If you put the two by each other and you put them both on the same plate, they look and they taste and they smell the same, believe it or not. Um, Blue Wildebeest tastes really good. The, um, I forget what, I'm just trying to think of other ones that I remember that tasted really well. But those, those ones, the, the Impala had a little gamey taste to it. Um, kind of like if you cook the deer too fast, you know, something along mm. those lines, but the, the zebra was just so tender and it had such a good taste to it. It just tasted like a really good, um, New York, um, strip steak.
0: Okay. Did you get to bring any of the meat home or what exactly happened to it afterwards?
1: So when it was all said and done, after I dropped the 11 animals, um, I donated 1500 pounds of meat. So <clears throat> the wildebeest, the wildebeest is a heavy animal, the zebra's a heavy animal, the gem, the gems bucks a heavy animal. Those are the probably the three biggest. And then the other ones, you know, obviously were were medium game. And so what happens is you have skinners of everything right there. So you say so, say the three of us went out, we were doing some hunting. We, you know, you drop an animal or two, you bring them back, you load them up on the truck, you know, you go get the truck, you bring it over, just like if you were hunting back home, and you bring them down to the Skinner shed, they skin them, um, you tell them like, hey, I'm going to do a Euro amount, whatever, and they'll, you know, they'll cut the hide how you want, they'll cape it. And then uh, the meat, they hang up just like, just like back home, they put it in a big freezer,
2: um, you know, be cooler, and they just let it hang. So what happened with the meat that I hunted with, that's basically going to go to um, the local people who are in need, um, you know, the local villagers, things like that. So it's actually, that's a really good feeling because when you're there, you you know, forget the hunting aspect of it. It's, it's a it's a very eye opening experience of how lucky we have things here versus how things are there, and if you two are movie
3: buffs like I am, if you've ever seen the movie District Nine, and when they're in the metal shacks with those aliens, do you guys remember that movie? I think so a little bit. Yeah, it's yeah. So remember in
2: District Nine, that, that this is why I say that District Nine was filmed in South Africa, and. It was where they they moved all of those aliens who crash landed here and they had nowhere to go, so they put them in those metal shack homes. When I went into town with Brendan, who needed to get some work done on his car when we went into town for the day, I actually saw those and where, like, I saw that in person. And seeing human beings living in that kind of condition and living in South Africa in metal, shacks was just as as far as your eyes could see in some of these areas was absolutely just a crazy thing and to know that i'm at least helping and at least that me can go to some of those people um a lot of times when you go there they will bring you to go to say like a, a nursing home or a foster home or an orphanage and they will say hey this is the hunter this is what he dropped this is what he would like to donate this to your to your group home here so it's actually a really cool thing forget the whole hunting aspect of it but being able to help human beings like that um you know was was really it really means a lot it really means a lot that i was able to help out with whatever i could
3: so they're, so they're used to eating that kind of stuff then. Right. It's not like, so that's like normal to them. Like beef and like chicken would be to us or. Well, they have, they have your chicken over there. They have your cattle over there. They have your sausages
2: over there. They have your wild game meat. But the thing is, is there's just not the money. There's it's available. But can you afford it? You know, right. and that's why poaching is so big there. And we were talking about the whole poaching aspect and, you know, people are literally starving over there. And the big thing is that people don't realize is that one American dollar is equal to 15 of their, their rent dollars over there. So when you have American money, it means a lot to them because they can get so much more from it. But, you know, I, I this is uh, I'm a kind of person that I like drinking energy drinks or diet Cokes things like that right so I go into the gas station and it was fun to taste the different monsters that they had over there <laughs> And so I go and and like a monster over there is a dollar fifty. We're back home. It's th- you know two ninety nine, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's like the
0: three bucks. Yeah, yeah.
2: So I was like, wow, I can't believe how cheap these are over here. Uh, but the thing is, is yes, it's available, but can you afford it? That's that's honestly the big, the big part of it.
1: When when it comes to that situation, and there was like you know a lot of a lot of people, and you know there's a lot of poverty, and and here's some crazy, here's some crazy numbers to really think about. The people that work there, um, they make usually about two hundred and fifty dollars a month. Who work hunting, or you know, who were like, we'll say the trackers or the skinners, uh, the cooks, they usually make like two hundred and fifty American dollars a month equivalent. Um, your police officers, they on average make nine hundred to a thousand dollars a month. I mean, there's not, there's not a lot of money to be had over there it's a very south africa has has a lot of uh, poverty issues let's just put it that way
3: we could go over there and like not trying to be that guy but we could go over there being rich like no that's, <laughs> like, if you
1: if you make if you make a th- if you make a thousand dollars they were telling me if you make a thousand dollars a month over there you w- would live very comfortably which is crazy. Wow. Which is which is crazy to me, you know. So when you leave someone a two hundred dollar tip, it's like, you know, two hundred American dollar tip. You know, you do two hundred dollars times fifteen, and all of a sudden, they're very happy. You know? Yeah. So it's 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 a different world to kind of get used to. To think, wow, you know, that's we we have a very lucky here to say the least. Mm.
0: Damn. Yeah it's awesome so you're talking as far as you know people make the christmas list is mm-hmm. there anything left on your christmas lift list in africa where you're like next time i go i really want this
1: so it's funny you say that the thing <laughs> that i absolutely would love to get would be a baboon and we only got to hear them far off in the distance there you know the people it's so funny the people who get baboons are the same people that wish they would get jackals and the the people that have had a chance to shoot a jackal are the same people that wish they had a chance to shoot a baboon you know
0: so (laughs) it's either one or the other that's all you get
1: (laughs) it's like you know you can't be happy with what you got you know and the the thing is, is when i go back i would absolutely love to get a warthog um it just hasn't working out. I've seen them. It just hasn't worked out for me. I would love to get a warthog. I would love to get a baboon. Um, I would like to continue to go after the different color phases of the spring buck. I took the common color, you know, they've got copper, the white, black. Uh, there's, there's still some other colors of the spring buck that I'd like to go after. And then there's also huge animals, but some of the, like, you know, some of the animals that people go after, honestly, not even if they were, not even if they were cheap, I, you know, an ele- we'll say an elephant, say an elephant was a thousand dollars to hunt. I just have no ambition to do it, you know, and then right. don't get me wrong. I don't put it down because I know that meat goes and feeds many, many people. Um, I just, for me, it's just not something I'm interested in. You know, there's just some animals, um, my dream my absolutely dream animal to go after would be a hyena i would love to go after a hyena i okay. think that would just be absolutely amazing um so maybe one of these times i'll go after a hyena they're not they're not crazy expensive but they're certainly not cheap but that that would be quite the bucket list animal to go after
0: okay i saw that you posted a picture of a draft too is that one of the ones where it's like is that yeah
1: i was gonna ask some about that too or... <laughs> so so let me tell you the story about the giraffe so originally i wanted to go back after 2016 and bow hunt a giraffe i i have a bow that i bought purposely for it i've got the PSE full throttle um i i have that i bought for that setup i have 700 grain arrows that i have set up for it but the the between the girlfriend and the parents they were pretty upset when they (laughs) when when they knew i was going to go back for a giraffe and so i you know i wanted to be more of like people being excited for me instead of people being like upset like oh my god i can't believe you killed that um i would love to drop a giraffe too but i just don't see it in the cards (laughs) um but out of all my memories, a lot of people, you know, kind of what you touched on a little bit earlier, one of my best memories are, um, is seeing the giraffes in person. There is nothing cooler in the world than sitting there, sweating, drinking some water and you look over and there's a head poking above the trees looking at you at 30 yards. And you're like, and you're, cause from being from here, being from New York, my my brain couldn't comprehend what was going on. And, and then I'm like, wait a minute, that's a giraffe looking at me. And having a 30, 40 yard distance between you and a giraffe that towers over you, knowing there's no safety while you're like at a zoo, there's no nothing that's gonna stop that giraffe if it wanted to come after you. And it's such an amazing experience to have seen those big animals up close like in the flesh like that with no mm-hmm. you know zoo like situation you know knowing that it's you and a giraffe just standing there you know mano a mano we'll call it it was a very cool experience nice i mean so i fed if the giraffes
0: anyone...
3: once Fe- oh, okay. i don't mean to interrupt i fed the giraffes oh, once ahead. at what is it cleveland zoo that was enough for me that was face to face right there and it's like all right. Yeah. You're, you're, you're a big dude, like back away.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. When you're sitting there, you feel very small. You realize (laughs) where you belong and and in the nature and the nature uh, world, you, you know, you sit there and and you realize how small you are of a person when you're sitting there face to face with a giraffe. And, and it was, it was quite, it, it was such an awesome experience, you know, because many animals that see you they just run they run they smell you uh that was a big thing is the wind uh, you know like i said storms were coming through and especially on the valleys the wind would spin and it was funny because you'd be out looking into the bush and you wouldn't see anything and then all of a sudden the wind would spin and the wind now is pushing behind you up over the bush and the bush or down down um wind from you and all of a sudden animals would be running out of everywhere and you're like where were all those you know and they're just <laughs> taking off because they've winded you. and it was it was just crazy to see the bush come alive like that looking down over this valley you know it's it's quite the quite the exciting you know just just seeing all that happen was just such an amazing experience
0: okay so if any of our listeners wanted to go to africa what would you say is their need to know.
1: Okay. So great question, because I get that a lot from people on Facebook and, you know, friends, people I work with, et cetera. So no, you do not need a travel guide. Um, You know, a travel agent, I should say, you don't need to go through a booking agent. This is literally what I did to book. So I went on orbits. I looked at dates and I literally picked that I'm flying from Buffalo, New York to Johannesburg, picked the flight, and that was that. So I booked my own flight. I didn't have to go through a travel agency. Um, my flight, now we'll talk dollars. My flight from Buffalo, New York, round trip with one layover in Newark to Johannesburg and back was $975. So that actually isn't it's not, the flight. Bad. No, it's not bad at all no it was nine hundred and seventy five dollars you could go on orbit right now and look um if you do a flight from a saturday to a saturday or a saturday to a sunday um you know a week long most of them are gonna most of them are gonna run you about nine hundred to twelve hundred dollars <throat> you know nine hundred and nine hundred and fifty to twelve hundred dollars um that when i went in 2016 it was 1800 so obviously some prices have dropped because of covid and the lack of people traveling so my number one if you can if you ever really thought about it it, this would be a good time to do it um this would be a good time to travel over there because prices are cheaper um so that's the first thing the second thing is a lot of people are like well didn't you have to get a lot of shots didn't you have to get a lot of boosters and things like that Technically, you don't have to. Um, South Africa, where you're going, is a malaria free zone. So you don't have to worry about that. You're not traveling up. You're not going to be, you know, you're not going to Central or North Africa where you have to worry about a lot more diseases. Um, so you really, the first time I went, I got every shot they would give me basically because I was scared to death. I was like, this is going to be it. I'm going to get over there and I'm going to get something and I'm dead. And, um, but it was very, very simple. Um, so you don't have to worry about really shot, so to speak. Sure. I would get a tetanus shot. I would do something like that. If you haven't had one just as a booster in case you step on something, but, um, it, you know, nothing, nothing crazy. The next thing is, is research, research, research. Um, if people, people want to book, you can, social media is an amazing place to find good people, bad people and plain terrible people. So you have to do your research and you have to ask questions and don't be afraid to look for reviews on where you want to go because you want honest people, you you know, just like anywhere you travel to, you want to go to where you're going to get your best bang for the buck and you're not going to be taken advantage of. And unfortunately, I hear horror stories where people find find some fly-by-night um you know outfitters and they have an absolutely terrible experience and so make sure you do your research don't be afraid to ask questions um i will name drop you know bushnell safaris a hundred times just because they're such honest it's a family owned business and it's they're amazing people and there's no bs there's no hidden fees they will literally tell you what everything costs before you even get there and they and the big thing is is Remember, it's your trip. It's your hunt. You don't ever feel pressured. You know, I know a lot of people, biggest complaint is I, you know, I bought a hunting package for $4,000, which included these animals. As soon as we were able to get on those animals, I had a couple of days left and the person was trying to push me to buy, you know, shoot a bunch of other stuff. Um, You know, that's another thing you want to make sure do some research make sure you know where you're going because africa is a pay-to-play place if you shoot something and you wound it you're paying for it it doesn't matter you know so you want to make sure that you're comfortable with your shooting ranges you're comfortable with your shots because once you pull that trigger there's no oops it's it's you pay to play so i've lost expensive animals um on my first trip which you know tore me up inside but at the same time that's the name of the game it's paid to play you wound something you've paid for it so you know it's don't be afraid of that just make sure you're comfortable with what you're doing don't ever feel pressured okay
0: nice well i think that's a it's a good little bit of insight too you know
1: yeah. yep and um a couple of other things that i can add to that is when you your flights from the east coast, fifteen hours there, fifteen hours back. Um, the airport over there, it's very quick and easy to get in and out of. Um, it's, but again, you're, it's a totally different world. Security is totally different. Um, it's, it's just, it's a different part of the world of what you're not used to seeing. We'll say, like it here is in, in, in the United States. Um, so a lot of places they'll, you know, they'll ask for certain deposits, things like that. But like I said, the biggest thing is, is just do your research, just like any, any line of business that you want to buy from, make sure you know what you're getting yourself into.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: So did you do the same outfitter both times?
1: No, this time I actually went with the the first outfitter I went with um, nothing bad to say about them, but they, they changed hands. They changed their name. um, They kind of went in a different direction. And they were hunting in a different area and then i met brendan with bushnell safaris back on 2016 right actually actually right after i got back on an, a hunting africa page and we've talked for like the last six years so finally in a lot of places disappeared a lot of places that i was thinking about originally going with um they simply went out of business because of covid and nobody could travel over there to hunt so a lot of places had to basically close down and and move on and sell their places, et cetera. so um when I was seriously getting ready to book again um after the whole entire Covid thing, you know, Brandon was still around. He's was like, "Look, dude, I'm still doing this. I'm ready to rock and roll. So my second trip was with them, and to be honest with you, guys, I won't ever stop foot on that continent unless I'm with them again because I trust them so much.
0: It's awesome to hear a good, true review of someone's actually been there
1: experienced yeah. it that's awesome yeah yeah so it was good and, and, and I highly recommend it i mean put it this way a lot of people ask how much oh andy how much and i i'm not afraid to talk about it for my trip um for me to take 11 animals to fly over there and to stay there in a nice place have um, a chef cook your food for you, all the beer you could drink. I spent seventy five hundred dollars.
2: And that's not even
0: that bad. That's not bad at nope. all. No, nope. I was honestly expecting like at least five figures. <laughs> like,
3: yeah,
2: no, no. I was thinking Easy. like
0: 12 or 15. Like,
1: nope, nope. I spent seventy five hundred dollars. Um and my flight, my flight was a thousand. Um, I spent fifteen hundred dollars in daily rates and um uh, 5,000 on animals and my most expensive animal I shot was the zebra which was a thousand it's not bad no it's not no. bad at all no and so when I say that to people people are like holy crap and let's be honest you don't have to shoot 11 animals you can go over there for a far lot less money um mm. the first time I went over there I spent um 4,500
0: so That's not bad no you probably Um, got that in taxidermy fees already
1: lined up right (laughs) yeah that's what i'm saying so um and and that's and and furthermore when it comes to the you know hunting in africa versus hunting here like you guys know and talking to other people and and reaching out hunting in the united states is becoming a rich man sport and it's it's sad to say that but Unless you're going to hunt public land, it is becoming very expensive to hunt, you know, out West, um, down South, unless you're going after exotics, um, you know, it's becoming expensive. If I wanted, if I wanted to go to Montana right now to hunt grizzly bear, it's going to cost 12 to $20,000 to, to, to hunt one animal, one animal is which is just mind-blowing to me you want to hunt a wolf out out um you know midwest you're talking 10 grand i mean it's for one animal it's and that's not including your that's not including that's just to go on a guided place that's not including your tags i mean a lot of the people don't understand until you start looking it up because you know knowing you've known this with me um i i try i try to go And hunt different places and the out-of-state license non-residence license are going to the roof and if i wanted to go to say to over to illinois to hunt deer you're talking 500 500 or 500 to 600 dollars after tax for just Mm -hmm. just the license um, to do it you know and so a lot of the things here is just getting so expensive where it's like do i really want to drop five to ten thousand dollars for one animal and the answer right. is no no i don't want to do that i'd rather go enjoy myself for a week you know and have some fun you know right. than, than, than to do that kind of stuff here you know so it's it's getting it's going up in price we'll say
0: oh i i agree i've actually looked into a little bit of uh grizzly bear and moose i think moose would be of another fun one to go hunt
1: absolutely absolutely but
0: the the price of that is just it's so astronomical it's like man at this point i i can't verify being like hey tell my wife that i need another 30 grand for this entire week long hunt you know what i mean
1: yeah no it's no and that's that's my entire point um is if, you, if you're going to sit there and you're going to um, drop the money, I, I want to get the most bang for my buck, you know? Yeah. And, oh, yeah. and um, it's, ugh, I, you know, I, I've been doing all this research. I would, I would love to go up to Alaska and hunt caribou. I think that would be mm-hmm. awesome. But you're talking serious money, um, you know, out, out west um, to hunt um, mule deer, you know, unless it's on public land, it's very expensive. Your pronghorn, um, your mountain goat—I mean, it's you're talking tens of thousands of dollars. And and right. I, to me, I would, I, I'm, I will stick with South Africa and seeing that part of the world much more than spending that home because it's just gotten so expensive.
0: Right.
3: So, so I gotta is, know when you right. go to South Africa, did you fly first class or economy?
1: No. So here's a funny story. So, <laughs> oh, so <dear. laughs> I flew, I, I, the first time I flew over there, well, Camo Tumbo or whatever his name is, the basketball player was on my flight and he, and he was at first, he was at first class and he was so tall and, um, and it was crazy. Like if you wanted to fly first class over there, they're like, I was looking at the tickets. Cause it's like, you can up, upgrade now. And it's like seven to eight thousand um, dollars each way. It's just ridiculous. Oh it's God. absolutely insane. It's ridiculous. Okay. Um, but no, it's and those are the ones where you can lay down and you get like a bed, and it's it's absolutely fun. It's it's if if I had that kind of money, sure. But no thanks. That's crazy. Okay. Um, believe it or not, the when I went over there um, Both times, I always catch up on all my Marvel movies because they always have the newest movies out, and even the movies that are in the theaters. So, so I like I just watch all like the different series. I watched all the the first time I went on watched all the End Game and whatever all those Marvel movies, and then this time I was watching all the Spider Man movies and stuff. So it's people people were like oh my gosh I can never sit in a plane for fifteen hours that would drive me insane and it's funny because once you get up, you fly out at nine o'clock at night. So your body starts getting tired after a couple hours on the flight and you sleep for most of the next, you know, most of the rest of the flight. And basically you you start landing as you're waking up for the most part. Um, But the one thing I will say, the hardest thing to deal with is be ready because it's, they six hours ahead. So people don't realize that, that, Holy crap. So when you're, your body's thinking it's midnight and you're getting ready to go to bed, you're waking up and you're getting ready to eat and go hunt for the day. So it's totally, that was the hardest thing was getting used to the six hours ahead time, you know, going to bed at 6 PM here, but it's midnight over there. That was, Mm -hmm. that was the hardest part.
0: Oh man. I just wanted to touch back on those animals. So if you could pick one animal to go after, if you cost is not involved, what would it be and why?
1: Uh, the jackal's $100. <laughs> the jackal is amazing. If you get a chance, you shoot that jackal. It's 100 bucks to <laughs> call it a day. Um, an impale is like $300, $400. Bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, a blessed buck is like 350 a spring buck is like like I think three fifty, four hundred. Um yeah, it's an ostrich is you know three hundred, four hundred bucks, something like that. I forget the exact math. So the bamboo. The baboon, they're cheap. They're they're like they're around the same price as jackals.
2: So nice. okay. Yeah
1: yeah that's what i mean when people see those pictures they're like oh my gosh that must have been great i'm like no it's not um it's it's the rarely um and that's the thing to touch back on when you have a good outfitter they will send you a price list of being like hey look here's what these animals cost this is what you're gonna see just so you know ahead of time you know nice so it's 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 um there's all different sorts of different prices but like uh i'm trying to think but if i if i could tell anybody to go after animals um let me just pull it up cost efficient if you were going to have fun you're you got your warthog which is like 300 sort of like 3350 um mm-mm-mm-mm. A jackal is a hundred, and impale is four hundred. Let's see, bless buck is three hundred and fifty. So a lot of your planes game animals aren't aren't that expensive.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah.
0: If there were any, for say, like cost doesn't matter, they is there any that you would go after and be like, yeah, I'm gonna go for this one. <laughs> for say, money's no object, and it's like, if- all right. What See, animal are you going after?
1: I, I would say a hyena because a hyena is usually three to three to four thousand dollars.
0: Okay, so it's back to a the hyena, hyena.
1: Yeah, yeah, I would probably say the hyena or a kudu. A kudu is about three thousand. So, but those two animals are just beautiful. The first time, the kudu is always going to have a heavy part in my heart because the first time I went to Africa, I shot a kudu and I missed it. I mean, I didn't miss it. I I wounded it because upon release my my knock cracked and it was all on camera and my knock exploded when i released my arrow and it went flying low and i actually hit him through the bottom of his rib cage so unfortunately i uh i wounded a kudu and that was an expensive oops
0: <laughs> and uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh <ooh>, that's harsh. <laughs> yeah that was, a,
1: that was a tough pill to swallow but um it happens it's hunting it's not shooting so you know things like that can happen but i would say definitely a kudu a kudu or a hyena would definitely be up there. Um, a giraffe, giraffes go up and down in price all the time. It just depends on demand and, and who's around and how, how much they're around, so to speak. I will, I will give South Africa a lot of credit. They're, they've brought back a lot of animals that were close to endangered or um, going extinct. And they've, they've brought back a lot of them with their conservation so I give the people of South Africa and what they're doing a lot of credit because they brought a lot of animals back from, um, ext- uh, you know, the brink of extinction. So I give them a lot of credit.
0: So if you ever got the draft, would you get a shoulder mount? <laughs> <laughs>
1: I I was laughing and I was saying to my parents, I was like, well, I'm just going to do a shoulder mount. It's going to be my, uh, it's going to be my hallways. Uh, it's just going to go up my, um, my stairwell, you know, it can just be the. <laughs>
0: Oh, see that'd be good. That'd work. Get
1: right yeah. there at the stairwell. Yeah, yeah just go down the stairwell. Yeah, no, that's um, that's the thing when it comes to uh, giraffes. They're so beautiful. But if all honesty, if I was like, okay, I'm going to go over and shoot a giraffe, the only thing I would do with a giraffe is I would keep the Euro mount, and I would take, I would take a section of the back, like the back piece, like the size of like a forty inch TV. I would cut it out and have that tanned and kind of like almost hang that up like Mm -hmm. a, uh, like a painting kind of idea. You know, I think, I think that would look really pretty Um, because don't forget, even if you don't like for the animals that I took on this trip, like some of the blessed buck and, you know, some of the impalas and stuff that I'm not doing shoulder mounts with just like here, the people over there, those taxidermists would love to have extra hides in case there's an issue. So even mm-hmm. if I'm not using them, it doesn't mean pieces of those animals and their hides won't be used for other things. Right. You know, so, well, yeah, so that's, so that's, you know, it's, it's, it's quite the experience. One of these times I got to get you guys, I got to get you guys to come over there with me. Yeah.
0: One of these days, it sounds like it's worth a while. Yeah. Sounds yeah. like an awesome trip. Taylor's really? actually never even been hunting before. Really? So I went
3: I went hunting once with Nolan and, um, he he sat in the ground blind, sat in the ground blind. It wasn't like, I I know you weren't, everything isn't expected, but you know, I'm, I want to go back and get it. I'm going to go through all the, you know, the hunters courses and do all that. So, but yeah, I I would, I'd go to South Africa and do that. Let's go. Like,
1: yeah, yeah, dude, it's, it's, it's a lot of experience, but I will say hunting in South Africa has ruined it for me here (laughs) because (laughs) when. When I sit here and I'm like, man, I hope I see an animal today. <laughs> yeah. To. So, so what you're to.
3: saying is I should start there and yeah. then just only hunt South Africa. I yeah. got you. I get what you're saying. Yeah. All right. Yeah,
1: exactly. And you know, what's so funny is a lot of people are like, you know, where, where Andy, did you get some of the money to go? Believe it or not. I sold a bunch of my magic cards. i had a bunch of magic cards that were collecting dust and i didn't realize how much money i had in them from when i originally kept them from years and years ago since when they first came out and so it was funny this trip i had extra money to spend um hence the 11 animals (laughs) because (laughs) because of the you know you know selling off some of the stuff so it was fun it was definitely a good It's been a good, I'm happy COVID's moved past us and I'm happy that I'm still around to be here and I'm just enjoying life. And, and I'm just, you know, it's, it was a big birthday thing of me turning 40 this year and I just wanted to go out and have some fun, you know, and Mm -hmm. enjoy myself.
0: Nice. Yeah. So you actually run a page called Three Arrows Outdoors. Yep, yep. And can they can our viewers see your Africa pictures on there?
1: Yes, absolutely. I'm actually um, with the three arrow outdoors, I try to keep it, uh, you know, I, I do post on there. I'm not on there a ton. Um, just because of the fact that I'm not one of those people that I, I, I need to post every day, you know, to blow up people's pages, I try to share stuff that's meaningful. So I've been going through my photos, and I'm getting ready to start really start dropping those on the pages where so yes viewers are going to be able to see it um on on the three arrows facebook page and i just got done on instagram on three arrow outdoors my instagram page i just uh did finish posting up all the different animals uh on there so i am on instagram and i am on facebook and i'm just getting ready to start posting everything up on facebook and then um the entire hunt was filmed Ah, uh, we had mics on the entire time, so there will be a um, probably about a half an hour long uh, video being released too from Bushnell awesome. Safaris of my hunt. So it's going to be a really good time.
0: Awesome, that's great too. I can't wait to see the video.
1: Yeah, yeah, I've Sounds seen like some of the raw. Time. I've seen some of the raw footage, and it's it's definitely awesome. And and I'll be the first one to admit, after six years of kicking myself in the foot you know, kicking myself in the butt for, you know, wounding some animals when I went to Africa the first time when I, my, the very first animal I shot when I got there this first time was the zebra. And when I saw it down, I bawled like a baby because it just meant so much to me to be back to get that, you know, to get the devil off my shoulders, you know, and, and it just meant so much to me because it's not just hunting, but it's believing in yourself. And, you know, you went back to finish something that you started and, and it, there was a lot of great footage um, and a lot of great uh, scenery on, on the film. So hopefully everybody will enjoy it.
0: Awesome. Well, I can't wait to see it. That's for sure.
1: Yes. Absolutely.
0: Uh, all right. Well, I think that we're kind of wrapping up now. Perfect. So thank you, Andy, for being on. Uh, yeah, Thank I'll you. Post a link to your page if anyone wants to come and take a look and yeah see what kind of uh views you can get from africa i was yeah. just
3: looking at the instagram page and you look ecstatic with that zebra <laughs> you look at, yeah. i was going through the other ones and you look so much happier with the zebra than you yeah. do all the other ones and i'm like yeah so everything you yeah. just said I'm, i was looking at it while you're talking i'm like yeah that's that's great
1: yeah yeah so you can you can see it and um and don't don't get me wrong that jackal the jackal photo I got one good photo <laughs> because we were absolutely exhausted because we walked that day, almost seven to eight miles up and down hills. Look, um trying to get on the valleys and that, that day I'll never forget because I was truly exhausted when I took, when I <laughs> took that jackal. And, yeah. That's uh, like,
3: it's almost like a half smile you got going on. You look like, all right, just take it so we can go. Yeah. Like- <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. This, exactly. It was, it was, it was a great, great experience, but um but yeah for my own interest do you backpack it out or do you does a truck come up and pick it up so the gems book i okay so i've never i'm not used to shooting up hills okay that's like Mm -hmm. a huge no-no where i'm from so you don't shoot up hills because you don't know what's on the other side of the hill right yeah but when you're out there and there's nothing around and it goes for miles and miles um as we're walking out and you'll see it all on the film they're like, Andy, Andy, that Gims book, there's an old, old Gims book, it's up on the hill. It's in front of us. And I'm looking and looking and I can't see it. And then they're like, no, up, look up. And I see it on the top of the hill. And they thought that I was gonna shoot it and it was gonna have with a 300 wind mag and it was gonna have enough energy left to run down the other side of the hill and we could go get it at the bottom of the hill on the other side. Well, that's not what happened. I shot it, double lunged it. It did a a quick little circle and basically died at the top of the hill. So then we had to carry down this 500, 600 pound Gims book. So we got this big green, like carrying tarp and that has straps with it, rolled this Gims book on and then all of us had to take it and bring it and try to drag it every five feet, stop five feet, stop and drag this thing all the way down the hill because there's no other. Yeah. It just
0: sounds rough. exhausting. Yeah.
1: Oh. I was, it was awful. It was absolutely awful. <laughs> and, and Cause I didn't know it was my, it was my second, it was my second day there. And I didn't know what was on the other side and it was you can see some of the photos i'm going to be releasing you know more of those photos too that people can see but you could actually see me on the top of the hill looking down onto the valley where we basically had to carry down this big big animal off the side of the hill and, and load it onto this truck and it's neat because the trucks they have there the most of them are toyotas and nissans but they have winches on the back of them like on the on the back um
2: uh
1: of the the bed the bed um it's mounted onto like kind of like the frame but so they they pull it up the the back this big long gate drops down that has rollers on it and then they wrap it around the animal and they start to the winch and they pull the whole animal up over the rollers onto the the truck because if oh, not really? yeah you're not picking up huge animals like that mm-hmm. with with only a couple people there's no especially way.
3: walking downhill after two like no
1: no no you're not no it was it was pretty rough. Well. so <laughs> so it was fun it was it was quite the experience and like i said i can't wait to go back but yeah no we didn't we didn't we thought originally we were going to have to basically quarter it out and bring it down like that but they called in the skinner's um, and the skin, the guys from the skinning shed came with that tarp thing and they helped bring it all down. So it was, yeah, so it was, it was nuts. Nice. Yeah. Yeah.
0: All right. Yeah. I was just curious about that. I was thinking about, I'm like, man, like, man, cause you know, with the deer, you think you drag it to like the nearest road or something or trail where you can get a four wheeler and go. But if you're talking a 500 plus pound animal, yeah, that's, yeah, a- that's, yeah.
1: it's no 150 pound deer. You know
0: what I
1: mean? Yeah. It, it's, oh, I bet. You, can you imagine trying to pick a zebra up? And yeah. To, you <laughs> it's what I'm thinking. That, like, God, oh, no. Yeah. Go and right. the, yeah. And the Gims buck's a little bit smaller. <laughs> Believe it or not, I think the zebra was the biggest animal.
2: <laughs> the oh, blue really?
1: Wildebeest, yeah, the blue wildebeest was the second biggest, right okay. along with the Gims buck. But the zebra, the zebra are a big animal. I mean, people don't realize, but they're, they're a big, heavy animal. Mm-hmm. You know they're they're up. I think don't quote me on it, but I think a little bit over six hundred pounds. Okay. You know, yeah, it's so solid. Yeah, it's a it's a big animal. You know. So, but all right, fellows. Well, listen. Thank you very much for for uh, you know interviewing and asking the questions. And I'm always around if you guys ever want to you know ask things. And my big thing is now is uh, I was talking to Nick Peterson. I know he's one of the guys from your show and everything that was on and they were
0: on last week
1: yep yep and i'm gonna be i I was talking to nick and helping him out with some of those food plots that he's working on and you know so that's that's my big next big adventure is getting the food plots going and getting things already ready ready for the deer season
0: nice Uh, so who knows maybe you'll be a a nice repeat guest yeah closer to fall we'll talk a little bit about for sure you know hunting food plots whatever yeah yeah i'm sure we can come up with something
1: yeah for sure all right, guys. Well, thanks for the time, and, and I appreciate it, and we'll talk soon, okay? No problem. Thank Sounds you, good. Man. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Great guys. Great have you
0: on. All
1: right. All right. Yeah.
3: Bye-bye. Hey, thanks for listening. Keep up to date with us for the latest happenings between episodes by following our Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok page. We'll put a link in the description, and until next time, we'll talk to you.